the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. This is going to be uh, around the end of October. We figured we'd give you something with a little spooky twinge to it. Ooh. All right, so it's really only only one song yeah. on the album that has a spooky twinge to it. Yeah, I mean, the name of the album sounds spooky. That is true. Um, it's a it's a classic album. You know it. You love it. Today we're going to be talking Thriller by Michael Jackson. Bum, 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 jam on. Hey. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I love this man. I, I know you're ready, Adam, because you are yeah. a Michael Jackson fanatic. I am. I very much enjoy his music. Uh, I remember... I don't remember. I mean, like the first time I like saw his music videos, but like they just... They were fantastic. They definitely just... Hit me in the right chord, um, you know. I, I it's a shame I never got to see him live. I would have loved to do it, but I've seen copious amounts of uh, like tribute bands <laughs> and that live, and, and kind of <laughs> imposters. Um, and so I've enjoyed that. Uh, and I even spent way too much money to go see the Cirque du Soleil Michael Jackson show, which I thought was not very good. Uh, but yeah. probably didn't help that I spent like three hundred dollars on my ticket. Um, yeah, it was not worth it. I don't. I also didn't get a chance to see Michael Jackson live. The closest thing that I came to almost being able to have met Michael Jackson was uh, at one point here in Las Vegas. Uh, I was playing with this, um, just kind of like a call an entertainment drumline. We they'd get we'd get hired to play at events and stuff like that, and we just kind of stand out. And we uh, once got hired to do a f- movie opening premiere. Uh, at the Palms Casino, hmm. and they basically hired us again on the spot for an event they were going to have two weeks later with Michael Jackson, hmm. and that's when he passed. Oh, damn. So you you would have seen him in person. Yes. Oh. He passed somewhere in that time in between there and, and when we were supposed to perform for him. So uh, in addition to being sad, I was very disappointed. Yeah. I didn't get to I just honestly I just wanted to see him. I didn't even care yeah. if I got to meet him. Yeah, of just course. Just to be able to see him in person. Thriller. I have a feeling like this is going to be a lot of gushing. Uh, about, I mean there there are a lot of Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of really good songs on this album. I mean it's it's pretty insane, but I mean this album alone there's only 9 tracks. 7 of them were singles and all 7 of those singles reached the top 10 in the Billboard Hot 100. That's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's ever been matched by anyone. I, I didn't look yeah. to see, but, I mean, I would be hard-pressed to find someone else who's done that off a single album. Mm-hmm. So the album yeah. was released on November 30th of 1982, which would have put me at just a, a few, about two weeks short of being two years old. Yes, and... uh you were the you were an only child back then. Neither my <laughs> sister or or our sister or me, uh, I had been born yet. So yes, yeah. This was, so you got you so. got this album all to yourself at first. Yes, life was good then. <laughs> uh, it was recorded at Westlake Recording Studios in Los Angeles, uh, put out by Epic Rep- Records, um, produced by Michael Jackson, and uh, very famously 
the incomparable Quincy Jones. Yeah, one of the one of the greatest you know pr- uh, producers of all time in music and, and especially like Motown. Yeah. That guy was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean a, a lot of you know pretty much everything he touches is just really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, album runs at about forty two minutes, so a pretty good pretty good length for an album. And as Adam mentioned, there's only there's nine tracks and seven of them were hits. So chances are you're gonna have heard of a lot of the songs on this album. Yeah. Adam, do you have anything you wanted to add before we kind of jump into the album? Uh, just a couple minor facts. Um, this sure. album won a record-breaking eight Grammy Awards in uh, 1984 uh, because, like, guess most of the sales and whatnot, since it was late in 82, like, most of it counted for the 83 Grammys, Grammy and whatnot, Grammys, right. um, and included Album of the Year as well. And this is the biggest-selling album of all time. Uh, worldwide so not not the u.s sales actually it's number two in the u.s sales um recently actually earlier this year the uh eagles greatest hits surpassed it on the u.s u.s's sold charts um but when it comes to worldwide it has like well over a hundred million copies sold and the Uh next highest album after that is about half that so it's like it dominates worldwide sales, um, but in the U.S. it's like it's only number two. What is what is the next album after that? Uh, I've seen a couple different charts, so it's it's hard to tell. It's either ACDC Back in Black or it's um, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. It kind of seems uh, different charts have said either of those are, are right around like the 50 million mark. And this one okay. I've seen numbers from 110 million to 130 million sold. So I guess it kind of depends on, I don't know whatever numbers and some of them are just estimates so the personnel list on this album is way too extensive to actually (laughs) read um it just is um uh, he used several different musicians for several different tracks um uh, some notable ones to talk about um both of his sisters janet and latoya um were uh saying background on a pretty young thing obviously paul mccartney you'd find on the girl's mind which we'll kind of talk about when we get to there um and other than that he just used some really really uh solid uh session musicians mm-hmm. um the other the the only other one i'm going to mention uh is a guy named rod temperton uh, mm-hmm. who did uh some synthesizer stuff and did a lot of the arrangements yeah. Um, and the reason I'm bringing him up is because he has uh, several writing credits. Yeah, I noticed that. For the album, um, including uh, Baby Be Mine, Thriller itself, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, The Lady in My Life. So, so two songs you probably haven't heard of, uh, and then one that you know the album's named after. <laughs> yeah, so. quite possibly may, may be his best-known song of all yeah. time. The only thing I do want to add in is um, just the very the simple, I feel iconic uh cover art for this one i mean it is just mm-hmm. michael jackson kind of leaning on his side very similar-esque to uh i'm sure um ian malcolm from jurassic park you know the way he's kind of <laughs> sitting down when he's hurt similar yeah. kind of thing uh just with, with his white suit kind of got this a whole bunch of you know kind of lens light you know kind of a very glowing light on him but it's just kind of very simple and uh, it's just like here's here's mj looking good uh, i do remember our our mother actually having the uh yes 
the album of this. Yeah, the we had the, like the the big the seventy like the full album of this one for sure. I absolutely remember that yeah. as well. And I remember uh, when you opened it up, it was another picture of him laying down, but with a white tiger. Cuff. I remember the tiger. <laughs> yes. It's like what the hell is this? Yeah. Uh, I who knows where that tiger? Maybe it came from his uh, his own personal animal collection who knows well he is eccentric uh, i mean we we're not here to go into a whole bunch of things you know pro and no. con versus michael jackson and dive into what he may or may not have done and i'm thinking probably did do but whatever we're not here to really talk about that we're here to just discuss this album break it down you know song by song uh, and just kind of you know throw up some nostalgia about it um besides yeah. that you know i'm not i'm not here to kind of talk about the quote-unquote controversy that um you know, Lee, uh, Finding Neverland brought out, uh, which I did watch. But besides that, you know, we're I'm, I'm here to talk thriller, baby. All right. Well, I'm ready to jump in if you are. Yeah, I, I want to be starting something right now, John. Could you help me do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As Adam mentioned, we're starting off with actually the longest song on the album at just over six minutes long. And that's why uh, we want to be starting something. not adam this one might actually be my favorite song on the album i mean that's you could say that with um maybe seven out of you know or six out of the nine and i wouldn't be shocked um right and this one is a great song you know uh i think for well yeah i don't know this is probably not my favorite but i can totally understand why why you would choose that it's a fantastic song it is a mover you know it's it's getting things going this is a great song to start a party with you know to get just Mm -hmm. to get people you know okay okay no it's to start like a dance section or something like that you know to get this one out here it's catchy it's fun you know it's uh it's got some funky memorable lyrics you know (laughs) the the you're a vegetable uh and in the middle of it the (laughs) hee-haw it's just um it's it's wild it's it's almost random you know but it is it's awesome uh, I, I I agree with you, and I, I love the energy of it. Um, it. And the energy stays up so much that it's that I, to me, I almost don't notice that it's almost six minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes by pretty fast. Obviously, the part at the end when you get to the mama say mama sa mama kusa, mm-hmm. like when the energy just you know when it breaks down and he's just singing it, and the horns come in on top, and you just get that. I mean, I just want to get up and dance. Which isn't a good thing because usually I'm in the car when I'm listening to this. So if I get up and dance, it's <laughs> yeah. uh, probably be a problem. Uh, but it's just, uh, it's it's so much fun every time. I I never I never skip it. I I will always listen to it all the way through. It's that's probably that's why it's one of my favorites. And and that's that we're talking about an album where you know most of the songs on here are going to be ones that I love. Yeah. No, it's a fantastic. At the at the end, the way you call it, 
Um, I don't know anybody, literally anyone, uh, who, you know, if they're not like feeling good when the mama say mama san the makusa when that's coming along, if they're not like either clapping or singing along to it, and you know, yeah, everybody fucks up those lyrics, absolutely everybody. <laughs> but you just you say it, and you're to the beat, and you just like you just go, and you feel really good. It doesn't even really matter if you get the words right. It's, yeah, you know, is the energy there? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all about the energy, and this song has fantastic energy. Um, but speaking about those lyrics, um, apparently, though that line, the the mama say mama sa the makusa, was actually stolen from a Cameroonian artist named Manu uh, Debango, uh, his 1972 song Soul Makosa. You know, apparently MJ didn't, you know, get the rights early on. I'm sure he had a, he said, apparently it's, they settled out of court. So I'm sure he got a big chunk of money from that. Um, right. But, you know, the song is fantastic. The, the way you, the energy is just a perfect way to start an album like this. I mean, it's just, I mean, we're going to be hit after hit after hit. Um, mostly. <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, not so much, however, with the, our second mm-hmm. one on the album which is called Baby Be Mine. I don't need no dreams when I'm by your side. Every moment takes me to not a bad song mm-hmm. i mean it's you know it's it's very much in the sort of 80s r&b style um fits very well with his voice it's just i don't know it's a little sort of generic for me yeah absolutely i mean i, I wrote down i mean this is a nice filler song you know this i can absolutely understand why they didn't make this a single as well um it's kind of it's got a you know, disco-esque kind of feel, a funk kind of disco funk feel, or maybe it's like post-disco funk kind of feel to it. Um, I The way you could, uh, Michael Jackson's voice works really well with this song. Um, mm. You know, I, I enjoy this one. I enjoy it, you know, better than a couple of the singles, actually. Not uh, not any of the huge singles, but one in particular I'm just not a big fan <laughs> of. Um, right. I did, this one is enjoyable. It's a good filler one. It's It made me realize, you know what, I should probably listen to a couple more of, like, the non-singles and some of the other albums that I have of his. Um, it's, uh, it's a perfect little, like, background listen song. You know, like, if you yeah. had this album on, it's great for the background, and you're just kind of think like, oh, I don't really know this one. That's pretty good. And then you kind of move on with whatever you're doing. Uh, but it's not like, it's not going to stop you in your tracks, and you'd be like, oh, wait, I got to stop cleaning, or I got to stop do whatever, <laughs> uh, and then, like, you know, dance to Mama Say Mama San, the Mapus, Makusa, or whatever. <laughs> it, it's a it's a background filler, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I as I was listening to it, I was thinking, I was like, well, I mean, it's nice, you know, mm-hmm. and if I was if I was in a position where I had to listen to it, I wouldn't yeah. make, I wouldn't be angry about it. I mean, yeah, true. Be, you know, I can let's do it, but you know, it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be one of my favorites. Correct. 
All right, well, let's move on to the next one, which is with Sir Paul McCartney called The Girl Is Mine. Cause I really feel it's time You know she'd tell you I'm the one for her Cause she said I blow her mind The girl is mine The doggone girl is mine Don't waste your time Because the doggone girl is mine uh, Adam, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really a huge fan of this song. You are not wrong. You, In fact, you're dead on. This is my least favorite song on the entire <laughs> album. <laughs> it's peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100. So, I mean, it got up there pretty big. Um, you know, more often than not, you know, in my like best of MJ um, songs, in my, when I play like my MJ stuff, this one I almost always skip. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very slow i mean it's okay you know it's it's okay but it's not yeah it's it's slow it's it's a little too chill compared to a lot of the other ones um but it's just like it's not there for me yeah and i i don't really dig the sort of that little kind of part in the middle where they're like they're talking to each other oh i hate that part (laughs) a little it's a little too cheesy for me george uh not george michael (laughs) michael I don't know who I was all mixed up. I had Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson recorded three songs together, like right around this time. So they did The Girl Is Mine and then two songs that went on uh, Paul McCartney's album that came out in 1983, even though I think they were actually recorded earlier uh, than The Girl Is Mine. Uh, But the other ones are one called The Man, which is just as bad actually not even just as bad it's worse than the girl is mine it's a terrible song but then the one that is actually a legitimate good song is called say 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 uh that's a good song between uh with mj and paul mccartney and that came out on that that was on his album um so i would recommend if anyone wants to listen to a good duet with the two of them go listen to say 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 it's got a good music video too uh they're kind of like playing these like um you know like grifter kind of guys these like they're selling like a snake oil kind of thing going through olden time and you know, on on the back of a kind of like a little wagon and shit. It's it, it's good. It's solid. Um, but uh, we didn't end up getting really any more duets between them because in 1985 their relationship soured when yep. uh, Michael Jackson outbid Paul McCartney for the rights to a whole bunch of Beatles, you know, back catalog songs. <laughs> What a shitty friend. Yeah, really. I mean, he was like, oh, you know, I love the Beatles. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah, fuck you. Here's a whole bunch of money. I own your shit now. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) not not too nice. Yeah, I can't really add too much more to that. You pretty much said everything I thought about. I probably, yeah, I think I stole all your your notes. No, that's all right. It's all right. Well, well, I mean, it's not not that good of a song, though. No, it really isn't. Yeah. It, It really isn't. All right, and now we are to the title track, probably best known song by Michael Jackson, and one that makes everyone get up and dance. And this is probably the, uh, with the exception of Billie Jean, might be the only one where people have set dance moves that they do to this one, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to a, a an incredible video, and that is Thriller. It's close to midnight. Something evil's lurking in the dark. You stop. 
I still enjoy this song. Oh yeah, easily. Um, I, it's it's fun. This is this is the this is one of the ones where the talking in the middle of it doesn't bother me because it works with the style of the song. Um, mm-hmm. Vincent Price is was just a an obvious and fantastic choice mm-hmm. to do this sort of narration for the song, and uh, I'm probably gonna gush a lot. I'm gonna let I'm gonna defer yeah. <laughs> to you for a minute because I I know you've got strong opinions on stuff, and, oh. and I, I I know you love this song too. Yes, I do. I, I love Thriller. Um, it's not my all time favorite MJ song. I'm trying to think of like what is my all time favorite MJ song. Um, and it's probably Man in the Mirror. Uh, that song, song just has so much passion to it that I think I, that's why I love that one more. It's not That's not even nearly his most poppy song or anything like that. Right. But I, I'm not even sure anymore if I have a, one particular favorite. If you'd asked me like maybe yeah. 10 years ago, I would have had an ob- uh, or a specific yeah. answer would have been Smooth Criminal. That was uh-huh. that one was always has always been one of my favorites. Um, now nowadays I don't know if I have any one favorite. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, he's got a bunch of bunch of just nonstop amazing songs. Uh, this one, you know, this is it, the whole theme of the song is so just kind of you know chilling and Halloween esque. Even though the song didn't come out during Halloween, um, the song didn't you know even the even the video didn't come out during Halloween. It came out like in early December of nineteen eighty three, and the album came out in end of November in 82 and and the song became a single in january of 84 so it's like none of this <laughs> tied in with halloween but when you watch the amazing music video but even on even the music video like the song itself just screams halloween with vincent price with the whole like just the thriller aspect of it um the, kind of the horror side of it. It, it it's funny how it works and how it kind of really did tie in with that um but it's fucking fun as hell it's cool yeah the way you put it vince's price vincent price's voice is used to perfection in this song and and i just want to go on a little bit about the music video uh which you know i don't do i even need to mention is almost unanimously decided upon as the greatest music video of all time by a lot of people and i'd say rightly so um it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to even call it a a music video it's more of a short film at like almost 14 minutes long uh, because they have a whole story with it uh, it, it's it's amazing. It's directed by John Landis, who we love. John Landis as a director as well from American Werewolf in, Pundit, uh, American Werewolf in London, uh, which apparently is what MJ saw that movie and then immediately like got a hold of John Landis and said like I want to work with you. And they kind of started collaborating on Thriller. Um, but it's got many iconic moments and, and things to it, uh, including that zombie dance that you kind of alluded to earlier. Like right. you know, th- it's a whole big like. Guinness World Records, how many people can do the Thriller dance together at one time and that kind of shit. A whole a bajillion YouTube videos of people dancing to that song. Um, yep. Even just the fashion of his his iconic red jacket, you know, that has like some like black striping to it. Um, absolutely fantastic. His, you know, the, the werewolf part in the, mo- in the beginning and then like his zombie look later. Um, and actually, this was the first music video inducted into the National Film Registry. Like it had yep. that much of an impact on pop culture and society and one kind of interesting thing like this music video was so helpful for the album because the album came out in late 82 this music video came out in late 83 and i think producers or the the music distributor cbs or whatever um didn't want to even like make a music video because they were like you know uh, thriller's been played out you know the album's been out for a year now it's it's no big deal this mm-hmm. music video 
doubled the sales of Thriller because it was that freaking impactful and how important this one music video was for it. Um, and it also sold over a million copies of the music video on VHS, uh, becoming yeah. the best-selling videotape of all time at the time. So it's pretty pretty ridiculous. <laughs> all right, and that brings us to the next song on the album, which is called Beat It. Beat it. All right, so this one I do kind of want to talk a little bit about the uh, personnel on the song, mm-hmm. um, just because, just for a couple of uh, notable, uh, couple of notable people. Um, obviously, everybody, a lot of people know that Eddie Van Halen played on the song, um, but what people, a lot of people assume that he played on the entire song, but he didn't. He only played the solo. The rest of the lead guitar parts, and actually even the bass guitar part, was actually played by. A man named Steam, or sorry, Steve Lukather, uh, who is best known as being a founding member of what band? Adam, do you know? Um, well, I I have a guess because I did a little bit of research, and I remember that people from the band Toto did a lot of work on this album. So I'm going to guess Toto. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> the, most of most of Toto were were just session musicians who got together and mm-hmm. formed a band. Yeah, um, you know, guys who were who were who were already prolific songwriters and um and session musicians yeah so it you'll find their names all over albums from yeah. probably all the way through the 70s and 80s and probably in, you know into the 90s and now yeah which is pretty killer i love how the song opens with that sort of almost bell chime sound mm-hmm. and then you get the drums kind of they almost kind of like slide in like they come in but they don't they don't they don't like they don't uh you know, it's not like a big like we're here. It's just kind of they they start and then when the guitar kicks in. I mean, what a memorable hook, that guitar riff. Doom doo 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 doom doo doo doom. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so so simple in its in its composition, but so incredibly memorable that everybody knows what it is. This is another one that had a, a, a you know a memorable music video that went through it. It's it kind of I believe it's just kind of MJ in a T-shirt kind of walking through. Uh, a warehouse and like two gangs or something like that are going on. Yeah, there's a whole gang thing going on. Um, I think he's got, I think he's got a red jacket in this one as well, but it's not the same jacket as a slightly different red jacket. Right. Um, but yeah, you got the whole kind of West Side Story esque kind of two rival gangs going on. Um, to me, like this has you know one of my favorite MJ moments in any music video, which is which is not really an MJ moment. He's not he's not really involved with it until the end when he stops it, but it's the knife fight. I just, yeah. I love that fucking knife. And we've done this before uh, where we've <laughs> gone in like, you know, uh, I get maybe a little toasty or you don't even need to. You'll just be stupid and get on the dance floor with me at weddings where beat it happens and then you and I kind of lock arms and we start doing a fake bullshit <laughs> knife fight. And it's just, and it's awesome. You know, it was great choreography. It's, it's a fantastic, um, just the entire video. And a, and a video that helped make Weird Al Yankovic's career. Yeah, yeah, with Eat It. Yep, yeah. It was a 
great music video too. Uh, he would come back to do some Michael Jackson every you know every now and then because <laughs> it helped yeah. him out. This song uh, did peak at number one at the Billboard Hot 100, and it won a Grammy for Record of the Year as well. So this is this is a huge song, uh, one of if not you know his potential biggest hit of all time. Hmm. I think we're ready to move on to the next one, and that is. Man, how do you even introduce this song? Honestly, the song, the song, the song introduces itself. It's just a great little simple beat. Honestly, like if you played me just that one drum beat at the start, and I wouldn't even need the second one, I think I could call it out and realize, oh yeah, yeah, this is fucking Billie Jean. Just the yeah, and that's it. I don't need the cha. I don't need the cha with it or whatever. <laughs> I just I, and I do it, and I, it's just it's sleek, it's smooth, it's a perfect kind of way to get you into this song. Uh, I I will call out just because it it basically has made him famous within the drum world, uh, Leon. Uh, Chancellor, uh, actually known as Leon Nindugu Chancellor, okay. which I it's spelled N D N D U G U. That's his, I guess his, his uh, nickname okay. or whatever. Um, cool. Was the drummer. What a great song to be known for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'd love to be known for anything associated with Billie Jean. Uh, which this song also peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, which uh, this was actually the first, I think, the first single. Off the album. Oh, sorry. Actually, The Girl Is Mine was the first single off of this album. This was the second one. And this one was stayed. It stayed at number one for seven weeks. And then uh, it got taken off by Come On Eileen, which only stayed on the chart at number one for one week before Beat It came over and took over as number one after that. So it's like he just had, you know, Top hit after top hit, and actually, Billie Jean and Beat It were both in the top ten at the exact at the same time, uh, mm. which is pretty damn rare for people. Yeah. Even you know within the same album, um, it's pretty damn rare to do. Yeah, and this song is responsible for one of the kind of pivotal moments in, in pop culture history um, when Michael Jackson performed it at the uh, Motown Twenty Five uh, event in May of nineteen eighty three. And mm-hmm. do you know uh, do you know what he did that was so pivotal? I don't know, John. I mean, I think I gotta I gotta backtrack a little bit. I gotta <laughs> I gotta I gotta move backwards and think and go back in time. Maybe I'll just look like I'm walking forward, but actually be moving backwards. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did the moonwalk for the first time, and, and it was he did awesome. he did the moonwalk for the first time in, in public, and and people freaking lost their minds. Yeah, even though he didn't create that, uh, someone else had done that before. He. Yeah took it over and now moonwalk is synonymous with michael jackson to the point that he had a video game called moonwalker <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he basically per- perfected it and uh, we didn't we haven't really talked about um his uh, dance skills but i mean he was very kind of unparalleled as a dancer 
You know, I mean, yeah. nothing of what he did was not necessarily too crazily acrobatic, but it was just everything he did flowed so well and he made everything look effortless. Absolutely. He's the one entertainer that if you watched him perform and then later you found out he was lip syncing, you wouldn't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you uh, mean he he did it several times in several performances and everyone was like, "Yeah, so what?" Yeah. I mean, did you I mean, did you see what he fucking did? I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. He kept you entertained. I mean, I, how the times that he sings without, you know, uh, a track backtracking vocal going on is like, well, how the hell can you do all those moves and still sing? Like that would be that'd right. be insane, which is ridiculous that he could do that at any time, but like, you know, knowing that he has to do and he when he would have any kind of track with it, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. That's fine by me. Yeah. He's he's MJ. He he deserves that. Yeah, you know, and I, I've kind of, I've kind of accepted that. Like, if if you're if you're putting on a huge production and a show, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care who you are. If you if you have to do some lip syncing, to you know, to 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 keep the energy up, to keep the you know, to do the dance moves you got to do, I can understand that. You're putting on a show, um, yeah. but if you're, let's say, just standing on the stage at Saturday Night Live and just singing, and you lip sync to a song. Nah, then I've lost all respect. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Ashley Simpson. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yes, I agree. Um, so very famously about this song, um, the song's lyrics refer to a, a real-life experience in which a female fan claimed that Michael Jackson fathered one of her twins. Um, <laughs> one of the twins. Yeah, that this is what I found <laughs> out. Okay, a young woman apparently wrote a letter to Jackson in informing the singer that he was the father uh, of one of her twins, which is ridiculous. Um, Jackson, who regularly regularly received like crazy letters like this, you know, he never met the woman in question and he ignored it. The woman sent more letters to Jackson, claiming that she loved him and wanted to be with him. She wrote how happy they would be uh, bringing up a child together. Um, she pondered, you know, she 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 couldn't get how Jackson could ignore her um, and ignore his own child, you know, in quotation <laughs> marks. Um, that you know, these letters ended, you know, they disturbed Michael apparently to the point where he was getting nightmares from him. But he was a uh, Michael Jackson was a he was a sensitive soul. We know that he was a sensi. Yeah, you know, <laughs> definitely a sensi. Um, but following the letters, Jackson received a parcel containing a photograph of the fan of this lady, as well as a letter and a gun. Uh, you know, Jackson was, you know, obviously freaked out. And the letter, um, asked for the pop star to kill himself on a certain day, uh, at a specific time. And the fan would do the same, um, you know, after she had killed her own baby saying that, uh, you know, if they can't be together in this real life, they should all, they could all be together in the next life. Um, but, uh, it's, was really a fucked up situation. Uh, and, I think nothing ended up happening from it, like the, you know, terrible like that, obviously. But uh-huh. um, afterwards, uh, apparently Jackson discovered that the female had been sent to a psychiatric hospital. Um, but uh, so this this lady apparently is like somewhat of the inspiration for Billie Jean. You know, this not my lover and all this other kind of right. shit. Not my lover. The child's not mine. That kind of shit. Uh, do we do do we know what happened to the child? I have no idea. That's not okay. what I saw. I didn't see. Or, so. or if there even was a child to begin with. Yeah, actually, I have yeah no idea if that was even truthful or not. But um, let's move on from the dark side of things and okay. let's go into 
more of the light side of stuff. Specifically, you know, when Michael steps on stuff, uh, when he steps on any kind of anything or touches something, it glows. And that is what <laughs> very famously happened in the music video of this uh, this song. You know, he's kind of walking down like a, um, a street or whatever, and everything's kind of like glowing under his feet. And he touches a light pole and it glows and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a very simple... A simple video. It's just basically following him around. It is. Um, there's some. There's some other elements to it. Um, you know, and I always. I remember, and even to this day, I remember where I see his feet, and if it like steps on a different square, and I'm like, it doesn't light up, and I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck? He stepped on a different square. You know, one foot's on the light square, one foot's on the nut. Shouldn't that one light up too? Um, <laughs> that's just. <laughs> you know, I thought that was annoying, but. Besides that, the music video is kind of strange. I don't really like it. Um, it's not okay. even close to MJ's top music videos. Um, but the song itself is absolutely fantastic, and I think that's what helped propel the music video. Um, and a lot of people actually give MJ credit for being you know, the first black artist on MTV, which is not correct. Uh, right. There were some, uh, I think Prince uh, specifically was the first uh, black artist on MTV. But... Uh, this song and just all of its popularity and also pressure from um, the executives at CBS were going to like pull all of their music from MTV if they didn't, you know, give proper airtime to Billie Jean. Uh, so it kind of this this so this song and this music video does get uh, a lot of praise as being, you know, one of the early black artist songs that was played on MTV, which is apparently back in the day. When MTV first started in 81, they were a, you know, fairly racist organization where they didn't play, you know, many, anybody but pretty much white artist music. So this kind of helped propel, you know, other cultures to be able to jump in and be like, yeah, music is fucking music, man. Everybody should be able to listen to everything. I just find that's so weird because I find that so crazy to think about. I mean, because I mean, because by then black musicians were very well established in popular music. Mm You know why? Why would have? Yeah. Why would have it ta- needed to take another? You know, two or three years after that that came out for anything like that to have happened. Yeah, yeah, no idea. Um, uh, but you know, thankfully that all that changed. But it was just like, it, just idiotic. That's just uh, human nature, Adam. Yeah, is it? Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> and let's go ahead to the next song, which is Human Nature. Get me out into the night. I'll tell you what, Adam. I often forget that this song is on this album. Yeah, that was actually my note. Was I, I, this is probably one of the mostly forgotten MJ songs, um, and then particularly on this album, it's a forgotten one. But like once you start listening to it, you you remember it and you remember it, and and it's an underrated song. It's a good it is. song. It's a good song. I mean, it's a little bit more low key than some of the other ones are, yeah. but it's uh, it's it's gorgeous in its composition. The way he you know the way he crafts his melody. That he's singing and and uh, well, I, I wouldn't say he crafted his melody, John. I would okay. say 
maybe some uh, some people who are well established with Africa might have crafted the melody. <laughs> okay, go on. Go on. Uh, well, this song was originally written by Toto keyboardist Steve Picaro. Poor Caro, yes. And so um, they actually, during, I guess, because he was working on the, on the album, you know, on this, uh, on Thriller, and he was playing a demo of Toto's song, Human Nature, that Quincy Jones heard, and he was like, oh man, I like this. This would be great for Michael. And so they apparently came to terms, and so he bought the song and for the rights for Michael to play it or to do the the back, the track uh, you know with pretty much all of Toto is playing this one with MJ doing the lead vocals but this is you know this is a fully a Toto song that they yeah. ended up just kind of like selling to Michael um, which is it's a it's a beautiful song and I and I listened to the demo and I liked it a lot but it's not as good as MJ honestly yeah um, his vocals it's, just work a little bit better it's probably probably a smart move on their part yeah absolutely get get those sweet MJ residuals <laughs> <laughs> yeah Especially if it's yeah. the best-selling album of all time. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it's a nice kind of, like, come-down song, like one where you, you just want to chill back and, and listen yeah. to it. And, and it it makes it does make for a good background song, but I, I tend to pay a little bit more attention to this one than I do to some of the other ones that, that would we would just kind of call as a background song. A- absolutely. You know, this one peaked at number seven, so it was a solid hit. Um, but it is. It's soft. It's pretty. You know, I, I can't deny it. Every time they go to the, the – when they get to the why, why – Tell him bop bop deep dop skip bo die. Why would you do me that way? I'm always singing to that one. I mean, this is this is good. I I've watched multiple like you know live concerts by Michael Jackson, um, and just seen multiple things. I haven't seen him in person, but I've seen him like you know on uh, on DVD and Blu-ray and you know just YouTube and shit like that, like crazy. And this is a song that he actually had in his live rotation. Fairly often, I think. I think probably, yeah. you know, where he had to do his, you know, probably how similarly used to in this album is you have some big hits and then you have to take a break, you know, rest your body so you don't have to dance for a song and do sing Human Nature or sing like, you know, well, even I was gonna say Heart uh, Heartbreak Hotel, but that one or Heartbeat Hotel, whatever that one is, that one, but even that one has a little bit more dancing. This is just more of a chill one, but it's good. It's a nice chill song. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, and so I, I very much enjoy this one. I probably enjoy it more than. Uh, some other ones that I, I think people might, you know, assume are, are definitely my tops. This one, this one is just a good quality MJ singing and vocal song. So, love it. Well, let's move on to the next one, which is uh, one that I think I I kind of ignored when I was uh, younger, but as I got older, uh, became so- a song I quite loved listening to, mm-hmm. uh, and that is Pyt Pretty Young Thing. Where did you come from, baby?
apparently, um, originally, Jackson, with the, the help of someone else, had written a song with this title, and Quincy Jones didn't like it, so he had somebody else craft a new song using that title. Uh, so you had okay. a guy named uh, James Ingram who put out some solo albums of his own but never really went anywhere. Actually, he just died at the beginning of this year. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure from what. Yeah, so Quincy had uh, James Ingram, and I think Quincy did a little bit of writing as well, and so crafted a new song. So I guess he liked the title, but he wanted a, a different uh, wanted a different song. So mm-hmm. uh, I okay. love this song. Yeah, it, I mean, it moves. It's it's catchy. Um, it's not as fast and poppy as some of the previous ones, like Be- Be- uh, Beat It or Thriller, but it, it's got a good pace to it. Um, it peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, as you mentioned before, both... Uh, Janet and Latoya Jackson did some background vocals, so this is a multiple Jackson family hit here. Um, for some reason, and I don't know why, I always kind of forget that this song is on Thriller. Yeah, I don't. I first, it, it has a much more of like a disco style feel and disco kind of funk bass going on, where I almost always associate Pretty Young Thing as being on the Off the Wall album. Um, just right. because it's got it's got much more of like that 1979 vibe than an 82 vibe, even though I wasn't born during either of that time. I just feel like I know the <laughs> vibes of those years, if you will. Just just, just right. give it to me. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, just the style of it seems a little bit older. Maybe it's one that they even wrote a little bit, you know, before that that could have been on Off the Wall and they saved it and they just used it later. But it just kind of has that that. Yeah, that disco-esque feel, feel that kind of fits more off the wall. So I, I always forget it's on here, but it's always a pleasant surprise when I get to PYT and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. PYT is good stuff. Great use of synthesizers and sort of synthesized voice mm-hmm. in that little middle section right there, which yeah. makes for a nice little breakdown section. Yeah, I'd say, uh, interestingly enough, MJ never performed PYT live in concert. Really? I could not find a reason as to why, but this song was just one that he never did live, like never, which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> Especially knowing that it's a, you know, it's a memorable hit. It hit number 10. You know, this is, you know, this is a, I mean, granted, he had so many damn songs that you could <laughs> skip PYT and it's no big deal, but like, right. I don't know. This is, this is a popular one. So it is surprising that he never did it to me. All right. Well, let's move on to our last one. Uh, which is another uh, Rod Temperton one called The Lady in My Life. I mean, it's a it's a great, you know, Jackson ballad. Eh, I wouldn't call it great. Uh, well, this one, I mean, I yeah. mean, like there's there's nothing horrible about the song, but yeah, is, oh yeah, it it's is, not bad. It's not anything that that makes me get excited. I, you know, if they if this one was taken off the album completely, I never would have noticed. Yeah, they could have had this as as eight songs, and I would have been I would have loved it just as much. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's kind of it's got a slow jam thing going on. Yeah. Um, and you know, it feels just kind of like, 
you know, like it's just kind of thrown at the end here. Uh, I don't feel like it, you know, fits with, you know, just knowing how many of these big hits that we had. Um, it's it, seriously, this album's like, here are seven huge songs and then two others. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Um, this one barely squeaked out uh, and I liked just a tiny bit better than The Girl Is Mine. So it's my second least favorite song on the album, <laughs> um, but it's definitely, definitely near the bottom. Uh, for me, it is the bottom. I I think okay. I put the girl is mine just above this one only because I think the girl's mine has at least a little bit more of a catchier melody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I <laughs> I know it's catchy because as I was listening to this today, just to kind of remind myself of stuff, I actually caught my son singing along. I mean, eh, they're both they're <laughs> both the bottom. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's fair. But if we had to take one off, I would take this one off before I would take the eh. other one off personally. Okay, all right. And you know that's not to say he doesn't sound bad on it. No, you know, it's 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 just it's just a very standard, you know, slow R&B jam um, mm-hmm. from, you know, early 80s. Uh, eh, yeah. Yeah, hey. it's it's a meh. It's it's nothing it's nothing special. And uh and that's it. There's only 9 tracks on this album. Yeah, it's pretty pretty quick. I mean, it was about what almost 42 43 minutes or something, which is fairly standard time maybe for yeah. some albums. Uh, yeah. Most of his most of his songs run at least 4 minutes, so. Yeah. So yeah. But they move but they do move though. A lot of them just move so quick as you said, like want to be starting some 6 minutes, but hell, you know, I'm I'm you know, just just gouging my ears out when I'm li- not really. That's not that bad, but like, <laughs> definitely time moves slower when I'm listening to "The Lady in My Life" or "Girl Is Mine" compared to "Want to Be Starting Something," um, right. or you know, even even "Human Nature" or something else. Right. So. Or, or "Thriller," which is which is only yeah. like five seconds slower than "You're Right." Want to be starting something? <laughs> yeah, very true. So, uh, let's go into our final thoughts. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna let you have last word on this, Adam. So, okay. Um, uh, I mean. I, I even kind of wondered, like, well, I put this on the list as, as an album to do, and I was like, why do it? I mean, it's such a classic album. So much has been talked about it. But I think sometimes people do tend to forget all of the songs that are actually on the album, um, in addition to just, like, sort of, like, the big three, which are, you know, are Billie Jean, Beat It, and uh, Thriller, which are the ones I feel like get the most attention out of all mm-hmm. these. Um, and some of the ones that I think you're, you you kind of mentioned, like you delightfully forget that it was on here until you hear it again. You're like, oh yeah, this song, it's a great song. And really just a, just a, a you know, a couple of throwaways and even maybe just one or two at, at worst. Um, but it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible album. It's incredible what it did. Um, you know, it probably didn't need us two knuckleheads talking about it for anyone to be like, <laughs> hmm, I wonder if I should listen to that album. But, yeah. you know, it's a it's a great excuse to kind of go back and listen to just some some classic Michael Jackson. Yeah. Uh, dead on. I mean, this album is fantastic. You know, it's it's not got it doesn't have the most amazing flow or lyricism or anything like that. But, you know, for pop albums. I know it, it's the biggest of all time, and rightfully so. It is just absolutely amazing. Hit after hit after hit. Um, you know, you, you forget just how many big singles came from this album. It's absolutely just stunning. Um, you know, I yeah, definitely. I remember having the the seventy. You know, the the record, the LP. Um, you know, sitting in our little collection, and it's just it's just fantastic. You know, it's it's he's he's one of my favorite artists of all time. And if he just kept putting out hits like this, 
people would have been, you know, handing him little boys to just, you know, sacrifice to the to the god <laughs> of MJ to keep to keep mu- his music going. You know, they wouldn't have cared. <laughs> you know? God damn it. Maybe not that. Sorry. <laughs> we're not we're not going to talk about that. I, I forgot we're not talking about that. But, you know, it, and it might have been worth it, you know? No, I'm just kidding. Not worth it. That's terrible. Bad humor. Anyway, moving on. Uh, but See, I have a very dark sense of humor, people. Hopefully you all understand this by now. I think everything can be made fun of and whatever. Uh, anyway, listening to this album really just helps solidify that MJ is one of the greatest of all time. If not, you know, the great, he's the greatest pop artist of all time for me. Yep. Um you know, and this song makes me want to go back and listen to other albums and just kind of reestablish like, oh, man, what are some songs that I forgot were all on this same album? Or, you know, here's some lesser songs that I absolutely love and, and just w- wasn't thinking about before because, um, yeah, this one was just amazing. It gave me gave me those MJ chills all through up and down my body listening to it. <laughs> all right. And that was our review of the album Thriller by Michael Jackson. hee. <laughs> Please join us next time for our Halloween episode as we break down the 1991 film The Addams Family, discuss the 90s cartoon The Addams Family, and we recast The Addams Family using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, and if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.